You are Locked On the NFL, your daily NFL podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Well, hello, hello, hello. I am Matt Williamson. This is the Locked On Network, and today is the beginning of a new era. It is officially draft season here on the Locked On NFL Podcast, and starting this Tuesday, I am going to have someone from the Draft Network on. Crabs, Ledyard, Sykema, Marino, you know the names, you've been listening to their podcasts, and we're going to start it off with my buddy, John Ledyard. How are you, man? Hey, I'm doing great, Matt. Thanks so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, I'm excited about it. And today we are going to talk tight ends. And that seems like a weird start, doesn't it? But I think this is a really intriguing tight end class. You know it a thousand times better than I do, and that's why you're here. I just kind of buzzed through off the top of my head and came up with names of teams that are going to be in the tight end market at different varying levels. And these are the teams I came up with. New England. I mean, I think they really Mm -hmm. could use a Gronk replacement of some sort. The Bills. I think Charles Clay will get cut. Maybe Cincinnati. Maybe the Texans. Jacksonville's going to move on from Safarian Jenkins. I don't know if Denver trusts their guys. Is Jared Cook in the equation for Oakland? I think the Giants could go for an inline blocker type and make Ingram more of a receiver. Dallas might be top of the list. Washington, I think they're going to cut Vernon Davis and very well could, uh, I mean, do you count on Jordan Reed? I don't know that you could right. do that. You know, Green Bay, uh, Jimmy Graham could be a cap casualty, but he was ineffective. I think the Lions are near the top of the list, too. I mean, they could look for a two-way Gronkowski type. The Saints, uh, Watson's an old man and might not be back. Seattle, possibly. And the cards who could kind of use everything. So it's a pretty That's basically big list. every team, right? <laughs> yeah, right. I mean, I just kind of named the whole league. <laughs> it's so, funny. It, it's a position that's coveted all of a sudden. Yeah, right. And it looks like they come in all shapes and sizes of this class. So let's start the first segment of the show. Because what I did, first of all, I'm sorry to dominate the conversation early on. But I've been going to the Draft Network every day. It's outstanding. Really, really good content. And there's five of you guys that do position rankings. So that's what I'm looking at right now is all five of your tight end position ranks. And there's two names at the top of every list. And if they're not first on your list, they're second on your list. You know what I mean? And they're both the dudes from Iowa. And it sure looks like to me as an outsider that Iowa has a Gronkowski Hernandez like pair of tight ends now. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's been really interesting to see almost everybody kind of go that way. I didn't know the tight end class this good. You never know like how people are going to see different guys at the top guy, but it seems like almost everyone has either Hawkinson or Fant as their number one or number two tight end with good reason. In my opinion, you know, I think that uh, both guys are really, really good. Uh, Hawkinson, in my opinion, is the number one guy in the class. I really think his ceiling can be special. Um, at worst, he's a very good starter uh, for you. I just can't, you know, I can't see him being worse than that. He knows what he's doing as a route runner. I think he's a way better athlete than people are giving him credit for. He's a terrific blocker, elite competitor. When he had opportunities to high point and come down with the football, he did. Um, I, I think he's the real deal. I think his hands are terrific, and that's huge at that position uh, to be reliable. So. Um, I'm all aboard TJ Hawkinson train. I think Fant is a very good player, does need a little bit more development. Um, the tools are obviously unbelievable. I mean, there's I've talked to scouts in that area who t- say he's 
they think he's going to run in the four fours. Uh, that he's going to wow. touch it in that range. Um, that's crazy. Uh, but he runs by corners on tape. So you, you can buy it. Like it's legit. Um, he can win vertically tracks the ball really, really well. That's going to be his calling card to me. He can also block, but he's not as accomplished as a route runner underneath as Hawkinson. Some of the hard cutting stuff. Um, I think he's going to be a very valuable piece for an NFL offense. I just think you have to have like more of a plan for how to use Fant than you do Hawkinson. I think you can just ask Hawkinson to do basically everything. With Fant, they'll be a little bit more specific, but I do like that he ended up being a way better blocker on tape than he gets credit for. Let's stick with Fant then. I mean, he sounds, from what I've read, the little I've seen, a lot like Evan Ingram, who also is like a 4-4 type guy, but maybe a little more well-rounded. I mean, like you said, he's not a big wide receiver. Right. I was think I was probably the highest person on Engram's blocking ability. I still think he's been pretty, I think PFF grades him as like pretty salt, like decent blocker. And I think mm-hmm. that's what he was, was going to be kind of was a decent blocker at best in the NFL. But yeah, for, for fan, he's definitely, I think bigger and longer. So there might be some more of an upside as a blocker. I think he's pretty technical too. Um, I really didn't see much to get disappointed about him as a blocker, other than the fact that he doesn't overwhelm people and create movement like Hawkinson does. You know, Hawkinson is kind of like a, a game changing type of blocker where he could throw a block that springs somebody, you know, and eliminate someone from the box. And all of a sudden you've got an open lane. You didn't have one before fan is more of an occupied uh, guy type of blocker, but certainly capable still in that role. And so I think that I think with fan, it's, it is some similarities to Engram in terms of them both being really good athletes. I do think Engram was a little bit of a better route runner uh, coming out, but Fant is probably going to run somewhat similarly, especially when you weight adjust it, fan is bigger. So when you weight adjust it and take that into consideration, man, I mean, that's, that's kind of a scary type of upside for Noah Fant. So yeah. I think that with that length and athleticism, it makes for a clear-cut round one guy, in my opinion. Is it safe to say that both are very well coached, especially as blockers? Absolutely, yeah. yeah. I would actually, people criticize them for not using them enough as receivers, but I real, I mean, for a college offense, they were pretty utilized as receivers. You know, I mean, I, would I like to see them get like 70 catches each? Sure, but like, we got to be realistic about it too. You know, I think Hawkinson had 49 this past season. I forget how many fan had, but both guys were pretty decently used. There were obviously opportunities where with better quarterback play, I think both could have been even more productive. But I, you know, when you look at some of the other guys on this list that we'll talk about, <laughs> production's really not as much of a concern with Hawkinson and Fan. You got <laughs> to see what they could do. There's some other guys on the list that you, I'm still like, I'm not really sure what they're capable of, but I love their traits. But with Hawkinson and Fan, you can kind of see the traits and the production, which was really nice from an evaluator standpoint. I mean, I, I already mentioned the Gronkowski comparison. I was just about to say that's unfair. He's the greatest that's ever done it. And we just saw him, and he's a high-profile dude. But I'm sure you're going to get a lot of that. He's a Gronkowski type. And that's a dying breed. I mean, what? how do you think he tests? I mean, I think fans are going to test off the charts. Mm-hmm. Do you think Hawkinson will be really strong, too? What size are you expecting? I mean, all those type of things in Indy. Yeah, I think so. You know, probably 6'4", 250. 50 maybe somewhere like that he's no 247 or something like that for Hawkinson I don't think he's so he's not Gronk size right yeah he's not no he's not not um no he's not going to be in the 260s or anything like that I don't think um but I think at the same time um athletically he's going to really impress people like I've seen people say he's going to run on the four seven they think he'll run on the four sevens I don't think that's right at all I think 
I think he might hit the low, the, the, the high four fives. Um, and I talked to scouts in the area. They agree. They think he might hit in the high four fives as well. Wow. Um, I think he'll jump really well. Uh, at the worst, he's like a four six one, four six two guy, I think. But I, I do think he can get to the four fives. There's some open field plays on tape where you see him open up his stride, and you're like, this guy can move, move. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he wins vertically. Like a Kittle almost? You know, like how Kittle yeah. gets you up a field, like, whoa. You yeah, start Kittle eating up grass, yeah. Four five two, I want to say, uh, at the combine. Yeah, and right. uh, yeah, I think that Hawkinson might maybe a tad slower than that, but probably not enough to where it's really noticeable on tape. I think they're pretty similar athletes. So I, I think Hawkinson's going to test really well. I think he can jump. Um, he looks agile to me. So I think you're going to see him test really well. Fant could be like crazy testing numbers for a tight end. Mm-hmm. He'll probably come in a little bit lighter than Hawkinson, I would guess, too. But I think you're going to see Hawkinson definitely hold his own in the athletic portion of the combine. Yeah, I bet. And folks, I've been telling you the last two weeks about my new favorite podcast. It's called That's Gold. It's That's Gold with Steve Heitner. And if you're into this show, if you're into just kind of bellying up to the bar with me and chatting, that's exactly what you get with Steve. And for those of you that don't know, Steve Heitner played Kenny Banya in, on Seinfeld, who you coined the term, that's gold, Jerry, and I was a huge Seinfeld fan, and that... That humor comes over on the podcast as well. But on That's Gold, Steve is joined by co-host Rich Johnson to talk about everything guys love. Sports, sports betting, movies, comedy, food, drink, music, Vegas, and more. And they come come at you five days a week as I do. It's like having a conversation with your buddies at the bar. But at that bar, a bunch of famous people show up and shoot the breeze with you. So it's pretty cool. I urge you to check it out. Check out That's Gold with Steve Heitner on Apple and Google Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And while you're there, not only subscribe to Steve's show, but to mine, and leave us both some wonderful comments, if you would. All right, we are back. And, John, it looked like, obviously, the Iowa guys are everyone's number one and two on their list. But Irv Smith Jr. is, across the board, number three. Yeah, it's pretty funny as well. That's probably the, the craziest part to me is that I just think, you know, that I thought that third spot would be totally different for everybody and not even outside of TDN. It feels like just about everybody out there is kind of Irv Smith's tight end three. And I think one of the reasons is that there's such balance with Irv Smith. You know, you're getting a good player as a receiver and a good athlete. I don't know if he's an elite athlete like I first thought he was, but I think he's a very still a good athlete for the position for sure. Um, you're getting a guy who can run routes and ran a lot of vertical routes in Alabama's offense this year. But also, he's been blocking for years there, and he's a really, really good blocker. I think he's the second-best blocker in the class at tight end that I've seen so far outside of uh, of, of Hawkinson. You know, he's he's second to Hawkinson on my board. So I, I'm a, I immediately I'm a big, thought that. You know, like Howard yeah. was a really good blocker. Like Saban, right. like Iowa, Saban's not going to let you get away with just being a Correct. finesse guy out there. Right, exactly. But Smith can 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 play that finesse game, but also play that power game in in line as a tight end. I mean, I've seen him manhandle defensive ends, defensive tackles. I mean, this guy can really, really block. Really good technician. I think he's an immediate contributor uh, to an NFL team in that way. And I think that he can run routes at a pro ready rate already uh, as an early declaree. So the the youth, I think, there and the upside will get people excited. The one thing you don't see with Irv Smith, he hardly ever is asked to make contested catches. It just hmm. it was the same thing with O.J. Howard. They schemed their guys open so well, or he effectively separated so well that he was not really in many tough, high degree of difficulty catch situations. Um, he will drop a few passes here and there. Uh, I don't know that you're going to see. He's not the biggest tight end, so I don't know that you're going to see this big high point contested catch ability in the NFL, but 
He can, he's more like Evan Ingram in the way that he wins, I would say, you know, route running and athleticism. Ingram, probably a little bit of a better athlete for sure, I think. But, um, I do think Smith is still a guy that can, that has the speed to stretch the field, can track the football. Um, so there's still a lot of things he brings to a passing attack. I don't know whether he'll be the big red zone usage type of guy that some of the other tight ends in the class might be. Okay. But between the twenties, he can really help your team win and create splash plays. He has some field stretching, you know, seam ability. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Alabama's offense, lots of vertical concepts. Um, he ran over routes, he ran posts, he ran corners, he ran verticals. Uh, he ran the whole the whole gamut. So not only does he have the ability, I think it's really good understanding, too, of kind of how to work the field and find space and things like that. So good player. And then the other thing that you love about him after the catch, he's made some great plays after the catch this season. Not a lot of tight ends, even the best tight ends in the NFL, really. You know, a lot of them, you know, you think of guys like even Gronk at this point in his career, obviously. But Zach Ertz, you know, not a really a guy who's been ever great after the catch. Yeah, um, right. I think Kelsey and Kittle have kind of been guys that have spurred that on. But a lot of the good tight ends, Rudolph and, uh, and others, Eifert over the years, those guys haven't been really great after the catch. So that's something, that, an element that Irv Smith brings to the table. Fant does bring it to the table with his long speed. Uh, and I think Hawkinson brings his well. He, Hawkinson's creative in the open field, like Smith. You know, they'll jump over guys. They'll juke guys. They'll spin off of guys. You know, they'll fight and twist for extra yardage. And they have all both have some crazy highlight plays after the catch uh, that I think will translate to the NFL. So he adds that kind of dimension to your offense as well. Yeah, I like the after the catch conversation. I'm sitting here racking my brain going, Engram brings some of that. Kittle and Kelsey stand alone. Vance McDonald has a lot of it, just doesn't get as much opportunities as some of those right. guys. But you're right. I mean, a lot of them are not necessarily catch and fall down, but catch and get dragged down. You know, I mean, sure, that's you know, right. kind of what they bring to the table. Is is it safe to say that Irv Smith is a top 50 pick? I think so, yeah. yeah. That seems completely fair <coughs> to me to say he's a top 50 pick. To lock it in, you know, in ter- that type of conversation, you know, and say, like, he could be a top 50 pick. I don't think it's out of the question that he could be a round one pick either. Hmm. He's going to have to really test well. Uh, I think he's a good athlete. Like I said, I don't know if he's an elite athlete. Three tight ends going in the first round. We've seen it happen before. It seems like somewhat of a reach, but it's possible still, I think, um, for that to happen. So I wouldn't throw him out of that conversation per se, but uh, top 50 pick at least. I would I would be surprised if he falls out of there. And clearly there's teams that have needs. You know, we, we started the show with that. Um, your boy Trevor Sykema and yourself have Dawson Knox at number four. The, the dudes aren't quite as high on him. Tell me about Dawson Knox. So it's just complete projection with Dawson Knox, right? I mean, the underutilization that happened for him at Ole Miss is pretty unbelievable. I mean, a really a, a, an impressive athlete. He was on uh, Chase Goodbread's freaks list before the college football season started. He said he ran a 4.59 wow. at 250 pounds, and I think he was going to jump. I want to say like 38 and a half, 37 and a half inches or something like that was on there. That'd be crazy wow. numbers for a tight end. Crazy numbers. Like That's how many he was catches did he have? Like, did he yeah. Very so this few. year, right? <laughs> so he comes off a 24 catch, 321 season, yard season at Ole Miss. Was his first year on the field as a tight end. He came to Ole Miss as a quarterback, switched positions in 2016, started working at tight end, but really didn't play a tight end he didn't he just played a little bit of special teams that was it no catches nothing until 2017 played eight games got hurt wasn't a major injury i think but he missed the rest of the season finished with 24 catches for 321 yards average 13 yards a catch for a guy who was seeing his first action at tight end on the field those numbers were fine everybody thought he kind of yeah, broke right. out. he was That's my he was right. my number one tight end coming into the year i, I really thought big things were in store super athlete Instead, on the rise yeah, yeah. Super athlete run. 15 catches for 284 yards. He did average 19 yards a catch this past season. 
but he was only thrown to 22 times. Wow. He was thrown out once in the red zone. He caught it, by the way. Good. He was thrown out once in the red zone the entire season. He has never scored a touchdown in his collegiate career. He finishes with 39 catches for 605 yards in his college career at Ole Miss, which is still like you think about Kittle being underutilized at Iowa. This is next level underutilization. <laughs> right. I mean, this guy was he was just never. I mean, there were times he's running wide open in the middle of the field, waving his arms and Tiamu doesn't throw him the ball. And I know the offense at Ole Miss is designed to run through the receivers. Those are their guys, their playmakers. Uh, but Knox just so. – he was consistently effective when he got the ball. Like I said, 19 yards per catch, but it just didn't happen enough. So there's a huge projection with him, a new to the position. Hasn't even – I think he's 17 games at tight end. He's actually been on the field for 17 games at Ole Miss. So a complete – I mean, like, character is awesome. They say he works his tail off in the weight room, obviously is trained to be a great athlete. Um, and make this position conversion, but he's not a finished product as a blocker or as a route runner. He hardly gets any opportunities to catch the ball, period, let alone make contested catches. When he has, you see natural ball skills. He's adjusted outside his frame for some good catches, not many drops on his resume, but it's just really like this raw, awesome athlete with great work ethic, size, physicality, effort, and you just want to say, this guy could be good in the NFL, but that's almost all that it is at this point you know obviously we're not talking rico gathers range where like he hasn't even been on the field but at the right, same right. time there you know and knox was on the field for Ole Miss a ton he just wasn't thrown at a ton so he's run a lot of routes blocked a lot it wasn't like he was hardly ever even on the field he was out there he just didn't get used so it's a lot of projection with dawson knox and really where you fall on him on the board is just how much you're willing to trust the traits over the production and what you see on tape to kind of sum him up from what you said, I mean, I'm sure most of my listeners probably have never heard that name. You know, a lot of these guys are, uh, they're not draft nerds that are listening to you guys that are just learning about these guys as I am. And my hunch is everybody will know who he is after the combine. You know, he'll be, sure. he's one of these guys where his draft stock gets better and better away from the game. I mean, late in the process. And correct me if I'm wrong, if I made a highlight tape of Dawson Knox, including passes he didn't get thrown to, it would be really impressive. You know, best 50 plays. I would say, yeah. Yeah, I mean, the funny thing is you say best 50 plays, 11 of those plays wouldn't be catches at all, at least. Yeah, right. Best 20 plays, yeah. Right, so it would be, it's a very small sample size, but yeah, you can see the speed and the athleticism. Um, You know, I think it is, it's just a, you know, it's a total projection with him because, you know, even talking about splash plays, I mean, he, he didn't score a touchdown in college and he was, like I said, not utilized in the red zone at all. But I do think a lot of traits are there to get excited about. His stock is wholly dependent on he's got to come out of the combine as one of the top two or three performers all around jumps, agilities, speed, explosiveness, the whole works. He has to impress teams. I know he'll impress mm-hmm. in interviews. The love is work ethic. He's not going to be around one pick no matter what, but how elite of an athlete are we talking about here? Um, I think we're talking about a really good one. I don't know if I'm ready to say like Noah Fant level elite or anything like that, but I think he's going to be a really good athlete. And I think he will go in the top 100, which considering what was put on display in college is crazy because he was just, there's not much to, to see on tape. But like you said, the top play is a couple he was utilized on. Or there's something to get excited there for sure. Yeah, I wonder if I'm like the Raiders and I have a lot of picks and I know I'm not going to win the Super Bowl this year tuck him away for a year, not redshirt him, but really, you know, sit and let him learn his craft for a while. I mean, that seems like a kind of landing spot that would be great. Right. Absolutely. I agree. That'd be good fit. Um, we're going to take a quick break, and then I'm going to sum up some of these other guys that are probably more mid-round picks by the sound of things. We'll be right back. 
All right, John. Next on your list is I don't know how to say his last name. Isaac Nata. Does that sound my close? Yep, you got it. Give me the thumbnail on him, if you would. Uh, third best blocker in the class after Smith, I think. Really, really good, okay. effective blocker. Nasty. Um, I think that uh, gets after people. Plays a lot of Georgia. Uh, inline flexed. Uh, he does a little bit of both. Um, he has good vertical speed. Um, I don't know that he is, I think he's a little bit stiff and I don't know that he's going to separate super well at the next level. I think he'll impress in the 40, uh, at the combine, but I, I think the agilities are something to watch for him. How well does he change directions? 30 catches for 430 yards this past season, nine the year before, uh, and then 29 as a true freshman. Uh, so he was the true freshman year. He looked like he was about to be something big. And then Georgia decided to stop throwing to people over the next two years. And the result has kind of been his his production profile really fell off 68 catches for 905 yards and eight touchdowns over three years of being on the field. So he was basically starting or heavily contributing for Georgia for three years and only had 68 catches that Mm. in some ways is even uglier than Dawson Knox's production profile. because Knox was only like a season and a half. A lot of talent there to demand the ball. Correct. Yeah. A lot of talent to demand the ball. I would argue almost none of those players got the ball enough because Georgia is so insistent on running the ball 40 times a game but nauda has the ability to contribute right away for a team in that type of a role as a blocker and i think his upside as a receiver is really good he knows what he's doing as a route runner like i said he's he's definitely athletic i just don't know if he's going to be a great separator for man coverage again you run into the issue of there's not enough reps on tape for me to really see how good he is in contested catch situations a few times as a true freshman, you have to go back to 2016. He made some really nice contested catches in the end zone um, that I got excited about. But again, it is a large projection with mm. him. It's, it's kind of like Knox, not to that degree, but I think there is some of that to think about with him because there it uh, is so much banking on traits over what's actually on tape. At the same time, he was a five-star coming out of high school, top tight end in the country type of thing. So the billing is there with him where Knox was a quarterback, had to switch positions and go through this whole thing. Uh, and so I think that one of the things to think about with Knott is that the best landing, the best for him as a football player could still be yet to come, where with Dawson Knox, it's really more of a total unknown kind of. Hmm. And it sounds like he has a chance to test pretty well, too. Yeah, I think he will. I think he'll test well in the 40. Uh, I don't know that he'll be a great. I think Knox will definitely test better. And mm-hmm. the guys we've mentioned ahead of him will test better. Uh, but I think Nauta can still impress in, in in the 40 and the other events and you know prove that he's a solid athlete uh, with a good ceiling for the NFL. Just watching casually on Saturdays, Caden Smith was a guy I was aware of, and you know, Flash stood out a little bit. I didn't watch a ton, but I think he's somewhat of a known guy. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, people like Caden Smith because Stanford tight end and the pedigree there is really good. Um, and he did. You're right. He made some splash plays this past season because high point ability, contested catch ability, and over the course of the last two years at Stanford, uh, he's only a redshirt sophomore, I believe. So uh, over the course of the last two years. 70 catches over a thousand yards, 15 yards per catch and, uh, and caught seven touchdowns. So not crazy usage, but still pretty good usage. You know, this past season was a good year for him production wise. Didn't catch a lot of touchdowns this past year, but you can still see the high point ability. Uh, he makes contested catches. My biggest issue with Caden Smith is I just don't think he's a very good athlete. Mm. I don't think he's going to run very well. I don't think he separates from man coverage. If you watch the Notre Dame game with him, Man, he just gets bodied all the time, all game long, at the line of scrimmage, at the top of his route, when, when the ball's in the air. I mean, they just threw waved, whether it was Drew Tranquil or other guys, Asmar Bilal, well, whoever uh, Notre Dame had on him, he just got pushed around all game. He got bodied off the ball. 
Um, they had, I think they picked two passes off that were thrown to him. One was called back on a penalty, but you know, he was just completely, he had a drop in the game. I mean, you could just see they got physical with him. They got aggressive with him and it took him out of his element. So I think that's something to watch for with Caden Smith is he have a little bit, a little bit more dog in him than what we saw in college. Um, I'm not as high on him as most people are. I like his ability as like a number two tight end in the red zone. He can block a little bit. I don't think he's a great blocker, but I think there's enough there that you can build on kind of what he's given, what he gives you. But Again, I, he's going to have to test really well to grade out as a top 100 guy for me. I have him in the round four range right now, and I think other people have him like early round two. So I would say he's probably the guy that I dif- disagree with the consensus the most on. Yeah, I'm not hearing a trump card or a special trait there. Um, yeah. Jay Sternberger is a name I don't really know, but of the five rankers, he's anywhere from five to seven. So it sounds like there's kind of a consensus, you know, third mm-hmm. round pick type guy possibly. Yes, absolutely. I think he could even sneak into round two, I think. Super interesting story. 2015, 2016, he's at Kansas, right? Tight end there, doesn't do anything, can't get on the field. In 2015, he didn't play. 2016, two games, one catch, five yards, hardly even, like not even considered a factor. Leaves Kansas, goes to a JUCO school, has like a solid year at JUCO, nothing crazy, like his stats weren't overwhelming or anything. Had a decent year at JUCO. Jimbo gets to Texas A&M, sees him play, picks him up, brings him to Texas A&M. The dude has 48 catches for 832 yards, averages over 17 yards a catch, mm. and scores 10 touchdowns. Wow. Complete unknown. I mean, not on anyone's radar coming into the season. And then just, compl- I mean, you couldn't get on the field at Kansas, and all of a sudden he should have <laughs> been and should have won, to be honest with you, the Mackey Award for best tight end in the country. He didn't finish uh, as a finalist, even, but he was one of the semifinalists, I think, but not didn't make it in the last three, even though his numbers were better than everybody else. Um, man, I mean, Texas A&M's good. They were good, but like, you're not talking about like he's not running around out there as like the fifth option, just benefiting from other people's work. Like this guy was getting open consistently, making tough catches. He's a really good athlete. I think he's going to run really well. Um, he catches the ball outside his frame well. He'll drop a few from time to time as well. I think part of it's. He never was throwing the ball really before this past season. So he's still adjusting to that type of usage, I think. But he was their best player, uh, to be honest. Uh, Texas A&M, um, you know, as good as Mondhead spurts a quarterback and uh, Rodgers at receiver. And, you know, there were other factors, Travion Williams in the backfield. But Sternberger was their best player. He's the best NFL mm-hmm. prospect on offense. Um, and I think you're going to see him continue that ascent up in the NFL. A decent blocker can get better, but I think he's definitely capable uh, you can play him in line. I don't think you're going to be worried about him there. Um, might need to put some muscle on him. But like I said, Flex, he played out wide. He played stacked. He he blocked for screens. He went from not being used at all to being used in every formation, every snap, every scenario at Texas A&M, and really thrived in that role pretty much. So um, I think that he his best football could definitely be ahead of him still. But that production, that one-year break, that's going to be how much do teams put in that one year um, in an offense that's always been pretty tight end friendly um i think my my point my counter to that would be teams worrying about that would be well make your offense more tight end friendly because it works you know it can be yeah, effective right, right. Uh, to do those kind of things so to me he's a versatile weapon and I, th- I do i think he's one of the best tight ends in the class i'm not even sure if trevin wesco is a tight end but i got familiar with him well west virginia is on a lot here but watching the senior bowl coverage he kind of stood out as a a hybrid is he rhett ellison yeah, that's a pretty good comp. Yeah, yeah I like, like that. Uh, I hadn't thought about that, but I haven't studied him per se yet, but I watched him live when I was there uh, for the game against Oklahoma at the end of the season. Um, I think he's a good athlete for his size. 
Uh, probably will be around on day three, can block a little bit. Decent production, 26, 366, and one just one score this past season. But you're not going to get thrown the ball a ton as a tight end in West Virginia's offense. It's never really been their thing. And so um, I think there's enough of a profile there. He's got to test well, obviously, but he's also huge. I mean, he's like 270. Yeah. Um, so you got to keep that in mind when you're comparing his testing results to the other tight ends. But there's something there for sure. It needs more development and polish. But that size and athleticism with the ability to block and make some tough catches, that'll interest teams, I think, early in day three. Last thing, and this is what we're going to end on every time you talk with me. I'm not going to do this on other Tuesdays with the other guys, but who you like at number 20 for the Stullers? Yeah, good question. I was just <laughs> thinking about that today. Actually, I wrote up Steelers uh, seven-round mock draft. Oh, good. Draft that people can check out. Yeah, but I, I gave him Chauncey Gardner-Johnson from Florida. Yeah. Uh, he's a safety, but he also he played in a nickel most of the year last year for Florida, but he has the size of an outside corner. I just think the corner class is not very good, and so we're either going to see some guys – rise on athletic potential uh, exclusively almost um, after the combine and we'll kind of decipher who that is Lonnie Johnson could be one of those guys from Kentucky uh, there's a couple others Jawan Williams from Vanderbilt if he tests well so we'll see kind of who those guys are but if they don't we're going to see the NFL start looking at some of these safeties and saying can we make them corners because we need corners and there's not any good corners in this class so if Greedy Williams is off the board I just can't see the Steelers and their profile Going with a Byron Murphy from Washington, he's you know small corner. I don't know that that would fit what they're looking for at the position. Uh, what they've kind of tried to draft at the position and acquire at the position. Um, I I don't know that DeAndre Baker would fit into that as well. He's physical, so people like to say he's a stealer, but really they're just looking for big athletes, and he's small and slow. So I don't think that that's going to be an option for them. So if Greedy Williams off the board, get and Devin White too at linebacker, get creative. I think. They know the secondary needs a ton of help. They can't go into next season like that. So depending on what they do in free agency, if they do anything, I gave him Chauncey because I think he can play free safety for them. And Sean Davis could be the third safety. He could start. He could Chauncey could start at free safety. He could potentially play in the nickel. His future is uncertain with Mike Hilton. They were trying to bench him at the end of last year, so I don't even know if they want him. Uh, we'll see what happens there. Obviously, they need another outside corner. They could try and play him at outside corner and see if he can make that that switch. You know, a la. Demarius Randall type of thing, but uh, Gardner Johnson has the size, athleticism, speed, physicality. Um, he's inconsistent at times. That's never bothered Pittsburgh. I think he has the profile to kind of make that switch. Hmm. Well, do me a favor, and whenever you tweet out your Steelers seven-round mock draft, tag me. Many of my followers will be very, very interested in that. And all of you listening need to do what I'm doing every day now and go to the Draft Network. There's outstanding content there every day. Um, a little programming note. I'm not going to, don't get all crazy on me, but next Tuesday, I will not be getting together with any of the draft folks. There will not be a podcast. My son is having a back surgery that um, is not nothing to get too crazy about, but next week might be a little weird. First, I'm telling all of you about that. So, but after that, every Tuesday, we will be talking draft just like we did today. John, this was outstanding. This was a blast. I can't wait to get back at it. Absolutely, man. I appreciate you having me on for sure. It's going to be fun uh, talking with you throughout the, the next couple of weeks and everything. And uh, I think that, uh, yeah, this this could be a really fun draft class and uh, definitely pique our interest as Steelers guys, obviously, too. But I think for all 32 teams, this could be a really enjoyable draft class. Yeah. And the tight ends in particular were a great place to start. This was fun. Yeah. Folks, this is a wrap. I will be back tomorrow over and out.